Hi guys, welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. This one is brought to you by our grass-fed collagen. Um, collagen is a super important type of protein in the human body. Your skin, your hair, your nails all rely on collagen. 50% of the dry weight of bone is made of, it's a collagen matrix that then gets mineralized by your calcium and your other minerals. Um, the lining of your gut is a collagen matrix as well. So all sorts of things are super important. Joint integrity, the, the quality and elasticity of your skin, the matrix in which your, your fat cells, your adipocytes underneath your skin are organized is driven by collagen. So when you have lumpy, bumpy fat storage, that's most likely a lack of, of adequate collagen, adequate protein. Um, so we sourced a grass-fed bovine grass-fed cows and their collagen. You can also get collagen from bone broth, you know, especially if you use um, joints, you know, knuckles and that sort of thing when you make your bone broth. Um, Cow knuckles. (laughs) Cow (laughs) knuckles, actually. Uh, And you get that nice thick layer of collagen on there too. We like to put this stuff uh, in our coffee every morning, dissolves nicely in hot water, Um, but there's lots of different things that you can do with collagen. On today's episode, we're going to talk about all of the gear, all the stuff, all the accessories you can buy for CrossFit. What, uh, what should you invest in first? You know, what do you need along the way in your CrossFit journey? Our criteria is the combination of cost, Mm -hmm. um, how often you're going to use it. And then sort of like what skill level do you need to be at before, before that thing would be necessary? Yep. Christmas is coming. Get your list ready. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe... Uh, you need to ask Santa for some of these things. Maybe it's a good idea. Maybe you just want to treat yourself to something here or there. So in kind of a ranked order, the first thing that you need to spend money on is shoes. Yes. Good CrossFit shoes. Specifically CrossFit shoes. Yeah. So what do we need in a CrossFit shoe? So a good CrossFit shoe, and they're kind of like three major brands. There's the Reebok Nanos, the Nike Metcons, and now the Nobles. Common to them all. <laughs> I have a closet full of all of them. Um, common to all of them. They're generally uh, flat and stable. Yeah. Um, so we want minimal drop from the heel to the toe box, like yep. minimal elevation drop. We want the heel, especially, to be nice and wide and stable. We do not want those big, squishy, wobbly running shoes. Yeah. Also, as an aside, you shouldn't run in those either, <laughs> but they're horrible for CrossFit. They feel good when you're running because they, they minimize the impact, but when you're running, you shouldn't be impacting. Yeah. You should learn to run so that you have minimal impact. They but the problem run. with the squishy heel is as soon as you start bearing load, they're just unstable, wiggling yeah. around. You can see people's ankles just wiggling and rolling, and if you're doing a heavy back squat or deadlift, you're just way more prone to mm-hmm. injury. Yeah. So... A good CrossFit shoe is also generally reinforced around the middle and arch of the shoe for rope climbs. Yeah. Um, I've seen people try to do rope climbs, especially are, are really hard on your, on your footwear. Um, like the Nike freeze that had this kind of waffle shaped sole. And then when you climb a rope, the little squares just peel off yeah. <laughs> and I found little chunks of people's shoe on the floor. And it took me a while to clue into what was happening. So uh, yeah. for durability for what we do. Um, and then the broad spectrum of like squats and running and yeah. jumping and all sorts of things. Yeah. We have one guy who has a, his old school rope climbing shoes that are like, there's a groove <laughs> worn into them from <laughs> a thousand rope climbs over the years. Yeah. Definitely got to sacrifice one pair of shoes to <laughs> rope climbs. 
So in terms of um, the type of fit, generally the Reebok Nanos tend to be wider. People yeah. have wider feet. They have quite a wide toe box. I have super wide feet. Yeah. Um, so my preference, the ones I usually wear, the uh, Reebok Nanos, I've had pretty good luck with all of the different generations of them. Yeah, they've been around. They're one of the originators when they first signed the deal with CrossFit. So mm-hmm. they had CrossFitters build the Nano, and they've just made new versions every year. So they've been around for, what, 11 years now? Yeah, something yeah. like that. And then the Nike Macon. Yeah, that one's a more narrow fit. I, I didn't like the net, the the Metcon that I had. I used my regular size with the Nano, and then I tried the regular size with the Metcon, and it just felt small, not even narrow, but just small all around. Um, but I only really tried one version of the, the Metcon. Durability seems to be pretty good. Yeah. There's lots of people. A lot of people love them. Ebrio that wear them and love yeah. them, and they seem to last pretty well. Yeah. And the, the good thing about the, the Metcon is that the newer ones come with that heel insert, which kind of alleviates the need for a weightlifting shoe, which we'll talk about later. But it's a good all-around shoe. A lot of people really like it a lot. Yeah, kind of. They have a good hybrid option. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Nobles. So yeah. Nobles now the official sponsor of David Riley today. Oh, my shirt. <laughs> uh, we had no money from Noble or any of these people to say anything. Uh, they're the sponsor of the CrossFit Games. Now they're the official um, sponsor of CrossFit. So the regular Noble trainer is exactly uh, what we talked about. Wide, flat, stable, not a ton of cushioning. Um, I think zero drop from heel to toe on the Noble. So nice and stable, great for squatting. Um, We'll carry you through for running, you know, any kind of running workouts and stuff. They do also now make a runner. Yeah. I personally love the Nobles. You're not a big fan. I just have super wide feet, so yeah. I find them, I have several pairs. I can wear them for a few hours at a time, but if I'm on my feet in them all day, I find they really, like, compress my feet, so yeah. it makes my feet sore after a while. And so, I went a half size up when I when I got my second pair, I believe. And so, yeah, normally Nano's regular sizing. Noble, I went up half a size, and they, they're great. And they, they just start really stiff, and a lot of people are like, oh, these are going to suck but they do break in quite a bit and you get more movement in them after you've worn them for a while. Yeah. But I definitely wouldn't recommend like your first month using them for a lot of running or anything. Cause they are quite, quite stiff through the, the base. Mm-hmm. But the Durability. best part about them is how many like ridiculously cool styles they have. <laughs> they look sweet. They're like, they look super sweet. You go on the website and you're like, okay, I've narrowed it down to 15 pairs. Now, how do I choose? And they're always making new ones. Yeah. They always get you with the emails. Yeah. Like, you don't have this color. Yeah. Um, durability, not awesome. I've seen of all the shoes that seem to like break down on people, it's always the nobles where the stitching comes apart or the soles come off. But customer service wise, they seem to be really on point. Yeah. I've never had any trouble with any of mine, but some people have. Mm-hmm. I've definitely on the athletes in our gym seen the most like breakdown at, in like the time frame where they shouldn't, you know, where it's like, yeah. Had these shoes for three months or six months, but every person that's had that happen, Nobles just replaced them yeah. without question. Like it's super easy. They have super great customer service in that respect. So, um, yeah, yeah, they look sweet. They have a, a runner now, which is not awesome. You don't like it? I haven't tried it. No, it's a, it's again like that big squishy heel mm. type of typical running shoe. You can't do CrossFit in them. You can't squat well in them. Right. Um, and then you also don't run well in them because they're the big squishy heel that just allows you to run with poor mechanics. So yeah. um, the runner's not great. The trainers are awesome. Uh, most people 
seem to give them a pretty good thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. So you started CrossFit, you got yourself a good pair of CrossFit shoes. Next thing you're going to spend any money on is probably. Probably wrist straps. Wrist straps. Yeah. And that's, that's such a easy, like injury or strain prevention tool. Like you can get them for $20 or less mm-hmm. on Amazon or any local fitness store is going to have them. And they really alleviate a lot of the wrist discomfort that you mm-hmm. get from, you know, push-ups or handstand push-ups or snatching or overhead squats or any of those movements. So like in terms of cost, pretty cheap. Yeah. How often you're going to use them? Pretty often, a few times a week, probably you would yeah. find workouts where you'd find them helpful. Um, unless you've been a gymnast <laughs> or done something where you're used to bearing load on your hands, that is going to be a new thing to, yeah. to people in CrossFit. And it just takes time for the joints to build up, to become more robust, to be able to, to just handle, like you said, the push-ups and overhead squats and front squats, people find particularly challenging on the wrists in the beginning. Yeah. So just a little bit of extra, um, support mm-hmm. seems to help quite a bit. Eventually you won't need them anymore. I used to wear wrist wraps all the time. I haven't in years now. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you the last time I had to wear wrist wraps. So, but your muscles get stronger faster than your like connective tissue and your joints will catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, you got to give it time. And some people do have like, you know, typing jobs where they're like wrists are straight and under tension the whole day. And mm-hmm. you do develop, you know, tightness through the wrist and like you get into a front rack position, it's really painful. You might have your bar in the wrong position. So there's definitely some stuff you can do to help alleviate wrist pain with mm-hmm. mechanics, but it just helps with that extra little, little bit of support. Yeah. Okay. So we got a good pair of CrossFit shoes. We got ourselves some wrist wraps. Next thing we're probably going to benefit from is good quality skipping rope good skipping rope price range for a good skipping rope what are you looking at like you can you can get a decent one for like 30 or so dollars like we sell a kind of mid-range one for about 30 and they're fine you know they're they're the thinner cable so they're quick they're just not a bearing rope so they don't spin as well um but even that is better than just like a rope rope or like a basic gummy kind of rope. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you get into like a, a rogue or a RPM rope, then they're usually like 80 to a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so not a ton of money. And like we use ropes every week. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a good investment for sure. It's a like significant difference. And even like, like I, so we use RPM ropes for us. And recently I switched from a coated cable to an uncoated cable and it was like a significant improvement in mm-hmm. my, my double under feel. So it really does make a big difference. Yeah. There are people that are still working on the timing, the mechanics of the movement and, and often it doesn't matter what kind of rope you have, that's not going to help. You still have to put <laughs> the time in to get the, the timing figured out. But yeah. once you do get them, the rope makes a big difference. Yeah. And I often hate to blame the equipment yeah. for things, but a but a good speed rope really does make a difference. It if does. you once you like you said, you get the timing. As an aside, I kind of prefer people to start with a a less fast rope, yeah. something a little heavier, a little slower, because people often try to like whip it too fast. So um, a little heavier, a little slower rope kind of helps mm-hmm. understand the timing a bit in the beginning. But then once you get it and you want to be able to do a hundred double unders in a row, yeah. you're just gonna have to have a lighter rope. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those situations where, yeah, like the equipment actually does yeah. quite a bit of difference. Um, so 80 to hundred bucks, a good quality rope will last you the handles 10 years or more. Yeah. You might have to replace the cables periodically. Yeah. Uh, the cables you can replace for like 10 or 20 bucks. Yeah. Not even and 20. if you take good care of it, you won't have to, it mostly happens. Um, if you 
bend your rope when you wrap it up in your bag and yeah. the, the coating gets cracked or if you skip like outside or, or on concrete or asphalt or something it'll chew up the rope and then you get this frayed plasticky thing that hurts real bad yeah. <laughs> when you whip yourself the so other benefit like, yeah, the other benefit of the uh the gummy rope sort of thing when you're first learning is it hurts a lot less when you get whipped by it mm. and when you're learning double unders you're gonna whip yourself for sure mm. so a bare metal wire sucks more yeah. for sure but so yeah we sell the rpm ropes at brio that's our preference you and i both use rpm ropes yeah. there's also rx smart gear uh, they've been around a long time. Yeah. Rogue makes a good, like they have kind of a longer handled bearing rope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're all in about that 80 to hundred. So we got ourselves um, good pair of shoes some rest wraps and a good skipping rope. And also a skipping rope you can throw in your luggage and take yeah. you take with you anywhere. Right. So then you can kind of always throw together a decent little workout with a skipping rope. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's an easy travel investment as well. If it's in your carry on sometimes, security will be like what is this i think one time yeah. we had an athlete that got their very expensive skipping rope taken away oh at really security. yeah because yeah. it was in there i've traveled with mine dozens of times and yeah. never had a problem but one time i did hear that story strangle the flight attendant <laughs> yes i don't know so then the other thing that's a that's a worthwhile investment especially in the first you know sort of new to crossfit phase is some mobility tools yeah the most basic one being a lacrosse ball yeah you can get those from sport jack it's like six dollars for a ball. Yeah, um, that like it'll take care of everything you need. Mm-hmm. And then if you really want to get specific, you can invest quite a bit and get all kinds of specialized tools. If you go on the Rogue website, there's like ten different specialized things mm-hmm. for different types of torture, and they range from you know thirty to a hundred dollars. Like a foam roller, yeah. you can find like at Winners half the time you can find foam rollers for like yeah. twenty to thirty bucks. That's not a bad one to have kicking around. Um, their sidekick tools makes a, a peanut massager, but you plug it in and charge it up and it vibrates at the same time. We have one of those. Love yeah. it. When, um, we, when you first got that, I was like, okay, that's ridiculous. Like nobody needs a vibrating peanut. And then I tried it. I was like, oh, okay. This thing's actually <laughs> yeah, it pretty is damn good. Traps and erectors down your back, especially yeah. is where it seems to be the best. There's also like um, the kind of scraper tools are a big thing now. Mm-hmm. The Theraguns. Um a big price range there. Now we're yeah. talking the actual Theragun is like over 500 bucks. Yeah. There's various knockoff versions you can get for a hundred to 400. You can even get a little ball attachment for a jigsaw. Yeah. And you can jerry rig <laughs> up something yourself with, uh, they're super loud and there's no like speed control or anything, yeah. but you can do it for like 15 bucks. You can get that little attachment. Yeah. Um, so have some good mobility tools around. I can always, you can always spot the CrossFit house whenever we go visit people and they'll have like the decorative bowl of like, you know, decorative <laughs> balls and stuff, but there's like a lacrosse ball in there too. <laughs> it's like, or instead of like your table books, it's just a bunch of massage tools. Yeah, just a bunch of massage tools. So in that first year of CrossFit, you're like, got your right shoes, you're supporting your joints, um, you know, you got yourself a good skipping rope and you're taking care of your mobility in all the hours that you're not in the gym. Yep. From there, as you start to acquire more skills, some of the specific movements are going to require their own specific type of equipment. So yeah. probably the, the most likely movement that you're going to pick up after gaining a bit of experience with CrossFit is going to be a rope climb. Yeah. Or at least working towards a rope climb, learning the footing. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you need some kind of leg protection. Mm-hmm. I've seen people do one rope climb and get a burn. And then every time they take a shower, they're reminded how how crappy their burn is. So our rule at Brio is no climbing the ropes with bare legs because 
uh, for your sake, you don't want a big gross rope burn. And for our sake, ew, nobody wants your skin and cooties all over the rope. We don't have an easy way of cleaning a hemp rope. Also, if you got an open wound burn from a hemp rope that's full of God knows what, that's also not good for you. So absolutely no bare skin on our ropes ever. Yeah. So at a minimum, you need a pair of tall socks. And like thicker tall socks. thick soccer socks. Yeah. Um, Those aren't really going to protect you that much, but it's going to keep your shit off our ropes at least. (laughs) It's it's not going to stop you from getting a rope burn or a bruise, um, but it at least puts a layer between our ropes and and you. Yeah. Your skin and sweat and blood, whatever. Um, Pants. You could also just wear pants. Yeah. You're going to sacrifice that pair of pants though. Yeah. They're going to get a little bit chewed up. And like thin Lululemon tights don't really do much either. Yeah. So not helping a lot. So then things actually designed for rope climbs. There's a couple different options. Um, rock tape makes one. Rock tape makes one. And it's like a, I have one. I love it. I've been using it for years. Yeah. It's seven millimeter neoprene on the front. So it's like a, it's like a sock that slides on, but it doesn't have the foot part. Mm-hmm. So you just slide it on. I put it on the one shin, the side that I wrap the rope on. That thing's awesome. Yeah. They're what, like 50, 60 bucks. Something like that. Something yeah. in that range. They'll keep you... It benefits both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps your cooties off our ropes, but also protects you that you won't get a rope burn yeah. on your shin with those ones. And you generally only need one, mm-hmm. one leg. I think they sell them as one. Yeah. The other thing you can do if you have a pair of knee sleeves is, we'll talk about knee sleeves a little later, but like use them for double duty for rope climbs where you just pull them down yeah. and you have the, the thick neoprene of the knee sleeve yeah. covering your shin. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you start doing rope climbs, you're going to need some leg protection, some yeah. kind of rope protection. Um, you start lifting a little heavier, a little more barbell cycling. You're doing it well. Therefore you're using a hook grip. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Therefore you would probably enjoy having some tape. Yeah. Some good CrossFit tape. Yeah. So go tape's the stuff that we've always carried and used Mm -hmm. and it just stays on you really well. A lot of like hockey tape and stuff, you like wrap it on and then you do a few lifts and it's just pulled right off. Mm -hmm. You just get a little bit sweaty on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, you see tape fingers <laughs> yeah. on the floor. But the go tape, it sticks really well. It's nice and flexible, so you still get joint movement, even though you're you're taped up. Um, I remember one time in Maui, not having any tape or anything on, and doing hand cleans, and I like pulled a big chunk of my thumb like right off. I didn't even know there was anything going on there, but it was just the humidity and the barbell cycling. It just happened. So mm-hmm. I don't usually wear tape, but if I am doing a lot of volume or if I feel like my thumbs are on edge, I'll... I'll tape them up a bit. Mm-hmm. Some people will do it with the the hand wrap as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's kind of good all around. There's lots of uses for it. Yeah. And it's nice and cheap. Yeah. So we sell go tape for like 12 bucks a roll. Um, there's two, there's a scary sticky and there's yep. a silly soft. So the scary sticky is not moving anywhere. It's got a bit of flexibility to it. The silly soft has a bit more give. It's got like some stretch to it. So it kind right. of depends what you're are you taping your wrists or your thumbs or, yeah. um, I find when we do dumbbell snatches, my like first knuckle of my thumb, just cause it kind of clunks into the end of the dumbbell mm-hmm. gets, um, ripped up. My thumbs are now just so calloused and yeah. lumberjack hands from all the years of lifting that I don't wrap my thumbs anymore. I don't need to, but yeah. sometimes it definitely is helpful. Um, before we get into that next one, one that I just realized we forgot was hand wraps. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Not on our list. Not on our list. But it just made me think of it. We're like, oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And and so hand wraps are something that you're going to need as soon as you start doing high volume 
bar stuff like pull-ups and toes to bar yeah. because nowadays you'll see workouts with a hundred or more pull-ups or toes to bar mm-hmm. and almost everybody that's done one of those workouts has ripped open their hands at some point yep. and it's such a avoidable thing the most difficult thing is getting used to the hand wrap because a lot of mm-hmm. people hate them when you first start using them yeah um, I've gotten to the point where I love them I prefer to do a workout with them on mm-hmm. so if I'm ever doing bar muscle ups or muscle ups or any kind of up bar movement i prefer to wear them now mm-hmm. so again lots of different brands you you use taped things what are your okay called? so i hate wearing hand wraps yeah. <laughs> i didn't for many 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 years in crossfit i preferred to just have bare hands on the bar uh but yeah it just got to the point where it's like if you're gonna do 45 bar muscle ups in a workout yeah. you just you're gonna have to have your hands covered so yeah. i just i had to go through like a brutal year of just learning to wear these stupid things so um, I have the bear complex grips, which are a lot of people really like those. I love those, those are the ones yeah. you have. I have like the two finger ones. So they're like a thicker leather with two or three finger holes. And then they have a Velcro around the wrist. Yeah. You can, the idea is you sort of bunch them up. You make a fold in the leather and you use it in the way that a gymnastics grip has the wooden dowel in it. Yeah. So it's supposed to help you hang on the bar. I, for whatever reason, I don't have super big hands, I guess. I don't like having more bulk under my hands with the bar, I just, I feel like it, it makes it harder for me to hang on for longer. So I've been using now the natural grips, which are basically, they just pre-make the tape ones for you. So yeah. they have two finger holes and it's basically just like a, they've done a nice job of pre-making the like hockey tape style ones. Yeah. Um, so you just two fingers, it's a, a few layers of tape. So it just protects that like first couple knuckles and that middle stigmata part of your hands. <laughs> And then they do show you that you're supposed to tape it around your wrist. And lately I just don't. Yeah. I just have them on my hands and they're just kind of flopping around. And then I find it doesn't like pull on my skin or feel too tight or anything. Yeah. And then I can like rip them off if I need to quickly. Um, So currently that's my preference, the natural grip ones. The durability of them obviously is not forever because they're just made of tape. Mm -hmm. You can make those ones yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, there's a guide. Yeah. It's not that hard, but Yeah. yeah. The natural grip ones are just, yeah. it's done for you. So I use the Bear Complex three whole ones. I, I have the carbon fiber ones and I love them. And they've lasted for years. Mm-hmm. Um, they slowly wear off. And I guess if you did enough volume, you'd eventually have to replace them. But mm-hmm. like mine are going strong years later. Yeah, And yet. I think those ones are somewhere around 50 or 70 bucks or so. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Parker actually has a pair now that they don't have any finger holes. It's just a flap. And that way you can quickly transition from a barbell to a pull-up bar. I find I've gotten used to it enough where I can use them with a barbell and it's okay. Um, But the only problem I'll have is sometimes if it gets too bunched up in the hand, it'll start to pull on my wrist, that little strap. Um, And that can be pretty uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. you just have to drop off and jump back up again and it's fine. Yeah, I know. And when you're looking at a pair of grips and you're like, oh, it's like, you know, 75 or hundred bucks. Mm. You're like, oh, I'm not sure. And then if you actually rip your hands one day, you're like, yeah. I would pay any amount of money to not have yeah. this feeling right now. So it's better to yeah. get on top of that earlier. Biggest thing though, is it, it takes time to get used to them and you have to just kind of tough it out the way, you know what I did was I would treat myself in the first half of the workout. I would use the wraps and then I would take them off for the second half of the workout. Because at least if you're cutting the volume in half, you're not, you're probably not going to rip your hands. And then the more used to them I got, the more I would just wear them all the time. I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still take them off halfway through. <laughs> Screw these things. Yeah, I hate those things. Uh, okay, so we got um, kind of protecting our thumbs and hands. Those two things kind of go together, tape and wrist wraps and um, hand wraps, grips. 
The next thing, as you get stronger, that you might feel a need for is a weight belt. Yeah. What What is a good way to use a weight belt and what is not a good way to use a weight belt? It's not meant to be a substitution for mm. your core stability. Mm -hmm. It's just supposed to facilitate, mm -hmm. you know, the an extra bit of stability. So if you are wearing it all the time, that's not ideal. That's mm -hmm. not a good thing because it's, it's difficult for you to develop core strength if you're relying heavily on your belt. So for me, I'll only wear a belt when I get up into like 80 to 85% and above. And I try to do all my other lifting without the belt. So I'm still developing core strength. Or if I know I'm doing a, a workout that has some volume in it and I just, maybe I'm feeling beat up from the day before or something like that. I might wear it for part of the workout, but I try not to wear it for the whole thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is not going too tight with it. If you can't even breathe with that thing on, it's too tight. It's meant to just like facilitate core stability. It's not supposed to completely eliminate the need of your, your abs. There's, this is my opinion. I agree with you. I own several weight belts, sparkly sequin ones that I like. <laughs> I almost never wear them. Yeah. Um, anymore. I save them for over 90% is my threshold, but lately it hasn't even been mm -hmm. that. I think you, that a person needs to do the work on good mechanics consistently, good core strength, yeah. or you shouldn't be lifting those weights basically. Yeah. And it's like a few times a year when you're going to test a max that you're like, I'm going to give, I'm going to treat myself yeah. to like one extra layer of abs. There's almost no wad like the high intensity workout where I could see that it would be appropriate to wear a weight belt. Yeah. If you can't move well at speed, you're going too fast. Yeah. Like, and like, I'm trying to think about, of a kind of workout where it'd be like, Oh, okay. That one I would put my belt on. Like yeah. maybe if it was some ascending ladder and it had a super heavy clean yeah. at the last rep, you know, something like that where you're like, I'm going to try to, you know, for me, it'd be like 185 is kind of that clean weight where I'm like, eh, I can do it on a good day or I'm, I might miss it on a bad day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's at the end of a workout. I'm going to throw my belt on. But yeah. like for the most part, that belt is for special occasions. Yeah. And that's for a healthy person. <laughs> there are people that use it because they have had an injury of some sort. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's like a crutch, right? It's mm -hmm. not the, it's not something you should just permanently use. It's something you use as a tool to help get you off of the crutch. So if you're not, if let's say, you know, back squatting or whatever has been bugging your back. And so if you wear a, a belt, it helps with that. You should be doing something on top of that to like alleviate the discomfort. So mm -hmm. you should be doing some planks or some, some sort of core stability work so that you are strengthening those abdominals so that eventually you don't need to have your belt on mm -hmm. while you're doing those squats. To address the underlying dysfunction yeah. that's required. But it shouldn't be a all the time. Thing. And that's like, I had back problems for like eight years for a really long time relied way too heavily on my belt and also like handfuls of a leave and things that were <laughs> not good in the long term. And finally just had to take a step back and like reassess all of my movement yeah, um, and rebuild better. And yeah. now I can lift almost everything without yeah. back pain, without needing the belt, and which is, I consider those a big victory. If I yeah. like do all my sets of squats or I squat heavier than usual and I'm like, fuck yeah, did that with no belt. Yeah. Like, and if you do all your lifts and let's say you, you hit 90 or 95 with no belt and then you treat yourself to a belt on the next rep, it's such oh. a like treat. It's, it's yeah. awesome. And you feel so good. Cause you're like, Oh geez. But 
you can't rely on that all the time. It has mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to push this one here. This one's going to be the tough one. I'm going to put a belt on. Yeah. Okay. So types of belts, there's like a powerlifting style belt, which is usually, um, thicker, like leather, thick leather, yeah. like really, um, like heavy structured. Yeah. Usually has a big buckle yeah. on the front. I own one of those monster belts. I actually had one custom made. They're not great for Olympic lifting because you're going to hit the buckle on the way yeah. up. And I've done that and like clocked my, my guts yeah. <laughs> with the buckle. Great for probably mostly squatting, deadlifting maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, not great for Olympic lifting. Yeah. There's a standard Olympic lifting belt has um, a maximum size. Can't be bigger than 12 centimeters all the way around. So a, a, a legitimate, uh, allowable weightlifting belt is straight and no more than, what is that, four inches all the way around. So two pood. Um, I own several two pood belts. <laughs> I love I them. just ordered a new one. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Uh, super high quality. They make all kinds of like fun designs and prints and stuff. Um, if you're going to invest in a belt, um, that's my recommendation. Again, nobody pays us to say any of this stuff. We're just telling you what we like. Um, and they're the official belts of USA Weightlifting. So oh. they're um, legitimately always the right size. What I don't think is a good idea is those big belts that are like super wide on the back. I think if you're at the point where you can't lift without that much support, I think you need to be taking a step back and doing some rehab and not lifting for a while. Like you're creating more of a problem by lifting with a belt like that than you are helping yourself. You're just, you're weakening the muscles. So, um, I would say no more than a standard size Olympic weightlifting belt. Yeah. Sure. Rogue makes a good one too. Same size. I think the basic Rogue one's like 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, and make sure the sizing is, is right because I know I ordered a medium. I'm usually a medium in a lot of things mm-hmm. and I ordered a medium two pill belt and it's a little too big for me. So my next one, I ordered a small mm-hmm. and it's just because like I, I have a small waist, but, um, there's guys that are like Thick. very rotund and, and lifting. And so they need like a size extra large or extra extra large or whatever so there's quite there's extra extra small and then extra extra large and everything in between. i think i have a double extra small actually i think i have one of each i have an extra small and i have a double extra small mm-hmm. and there i'm kind of right in between yeah um one time in a liquor store in california david got called uh <laughs> trim trim by a stranger yeah and so he became trim david for <laughs> i was just this is awesome black guy. He's like, look at this guy. This guy's got it on. He's trim. Look, you're just trim. And we were great, like, man. I was like, thank you, random liquor store <laughs> guy. guy. <laughs> so trim David takes a size small. <laughs> um, I don't know why Tupu doesn't sponsor us. Honestly, I right? Mean, if that's not a selling feature, I don't know what is. <laughs> so now you're lifting heavier. You got yourself a belt. Yeah. Probably next up is some weightlifting shoes. Yeah, possibly. Um, they are more specific, more expensive than a regular CrossFit shoe generally. Yeah. The big ones are uh, Reebok makes a, a few different versions of a yep. weightlifting slash CrossFit hybrid shoe. Nike makes the Romelos. Adidas. And Adidas makes the... I don't remember. I can't one. remember what it is, but Adidas makes makes a really good weightlifting shoe as well. So a, Do-Win is another. Oh, yeah, the Do-Win. So those yep. are, that's a Canadian company. Yeah. So... Old school weightlifting shoes, like for Olympic weightlifting, are wood on mm-hmm. the bottom. So no flexible sole whatsoever. Yeah. So absolutely no good for like box jumps or running or skipping or yep. anything other than basically just squatting or deadlifting. Um, 
So now some of them, like the Reebok hybrid ones, have a flexible midfoot, but like a firm, solid heel. They usually have an elevation. Yeah. Uh, you know, one to maybe two inch heel elevation, which is there to help people with shitty ankle mobility. Yeah. So you can squat on your heels, but still achieve like a very, very low depth squat. Yeah. Um, so they, if you have tight ankles, they can be a, a help slash crutch <laughs> to get around your, your ankle mobility. Yeah. They're super stable. Yeah. Um, so when you're under a heavy load, you don't want to have any like side to side wobble in a shoe with too much cushioning. Yeah. And I would say if you're, if you're interested in pursuing more weightlifting than just traditional CrossFit, it's definitely a good thing to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, I never wear, I've had a few different pairs and I, I've gotten to the point where I never wear a lifter anymore. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's Olympic coaches out there that are like, sacrilege. <laughs> Cringing, yeah. But for me, it's just like, there's certain workouts we do that'll be, it'll be like running and squat snatches. And if I can't snatch without my weightlifting shoes on, then I either have to choose to run in my weightlifting shoes or spend 30 seconds changing my shoes. And that just seems like when we're talking about functional fitness, that just doesn't seem like it should be necessary. A little princessy. Yeah. So I would say unless you're doing a pretty good amount of like extra weightlifting, Mm -hmm. it's better off to just learn to move well in regular nanos or Mm -hmm. whatever, or do the mobility work you need to improve. So you don't need them anymore. Um, But some people do benefit from having them for sure. Yeah. I, my first year I went to Canadian nationals for weightlifting. I wore Chuck Taylors (laughs) (laughs) and the referees all made fun of me, (laughs) told me to get some real shoes. And so then I did, I did, I wore weightlifting shoes for years uh, the, all the years I was competing in Olympic weightlifting. Cause otherwise I'm, I don't feel like I needed them. I just did it. So people wouldn't make fun of me basically. Um, but now I, I lift in my nanos or my nobles all the time yeah. and it's fine. I have uh, wicked ankle mobility, so I don't feel like I really benefit from the heel elevation. Mm-hmm. If you have tight ankles, you'll find them. Uh, the biggest difference would be overhead squats yep. and probably pistols. Yeah. Those two things that require quite a bit of ankle flexion to be able to stay balanced. Yeah. Those would be the two. Yeah. And I would ones. say if you're going to use them, use them when it's appropriate and then like learn to use or learn to go without them. So mm-hmm. that if you do have to run and thruster or run and whatever or box jump and something, you can still function. Yeah. Okay. So as you start to acquire more of these, you know, higher skill movements, a little more protection. Um, specifically, so knee sleeves. Yeah. Um, what are knee sleeves for? Well, they're supposed to keep your knees warm mostly. So if you're a lifter who will do a set and then go sit down for a while, they keep your joints warm so that you're able to, you know, rest and recover for your next set. They do give a little bit of structural support, but minimal because it's basically just a thick fabric. Mm-hmm. Now, there's obviously like prescribed joint support things like you a, can do yeah but that would be like injury treatment mm-hmm. so just a general warm sleeve it's meant to just keep you warm they're usually between three and five millimeter neoprene yeah um also helpful if you're doing a lot of lunges mm-hmm. and you don't love making contact of your knee to the floor yep. a little cushion yeah uh, like we said earlier they can do double duty as rope climb protection so if yep. you have them on you can peel them down and have it cover your shin so yep. if you're going to invest in in one or the other of a rope climb sleeve or a pair of knee sleeves, you probably get more mileage and use yep. out of knee sleeves. I 
what am I, 13 years into doing CrossFit, I've never owned a pair of knee sleeves. Yeah. I've owned two different pairs. And I got to the point where I just, I felt better without the knee sleeves. Um, I do like a little bit of padding for a lunge. But other than that, I feel like I squat more comfortably without knee sleeves. And mm -hmm. I tried the thicker ones and the thinner ones. And I tried two different sizes as well. And I just, for me, they seem to cause more problems than they fixed. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, at one point I was like, I should get a pair of knee sleeves, mostly as more of like a fashion statement. And then I was like, wait, I don't have knee problems. So yeah. I had yeah. to talk myself out of that one. But they do make lots of cute ones. So some, some people love them and wear yeah. them all the time. Reband is the, the big one. Yeah. I think they sell them one. They sell they them do. in singles. So yeah. you if you had one sore knee or wanted to wear it for rope climbs, you can do that. Yeah. Um, they're like 70-ish. Yeah. Someone gave me a hot tip that uh, there's a liquidation store in Saskatoon that had a whole bunch of reband knee sleeves for some yeah. reason on for pretty cheap a little while ago. I don't know if they're still there. Yeah. Um, there's another company I'm trying to think like Rock of. Rock Tape makes another one. Rock Tape makes them. And then there's another, there's a few little like. Yeah. Makes of, fun patterns yeah. and all that kind of, if you want to wear them as a fashion statement. Yeah. Like pineapples on your knee sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then once you can do lots of ring dips and muscle ups. Yeah. Probably some arm protection, yeah. arm sleeves. Yeah, so skins makes all that kind of mm -hmm. tight stuff. Like and a compression sleeve. Virus made some as well. I'm not sure if they still do or not. Yeah. Um, like for me personally, because I'm like quite heavily tattooed, I don't know why, but my skin is just way too sensitive. It starts to get super inflamed if I don't have anything covering it up. Mm -hmm. And I get really hot when I work out and I, I can't wear a long sleeve shirt. It just doesn't work for me. So I like to wear arm protection if I'm doing ring dips or muscle ups, mm -hmm. but that is like the only time I ever wear them. Yeah. So that's like cost versus how often are you going to use them? And eh, that's like a pretty specific thing yeah. to own for like once every few weeks. Are you going to do dips yeah. or muscle ups? Maybe, yeah. um, the virus and skins ones are like 80 to 90 bucks. I think, I think the, the virus ones were quite a bit cheaper, but I had a pair of Lululemon ones at one point that were like meant for runners for like winter. It was like an extra um, layer of arm protection or like compression ones. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, because it'll it's that the straps rubbing on your arms. Yeah. Or the buckle sometimes you'll find helpful. Yeah. So then the last one on our list is a weight vest. Yeah. We're talking about like a plate carrier weight vest, like you would wear in Murph. Yeah. At what point? Have you earned your way into needing a weight vest? Generally for us, like you're going to use them when you're doing body weight movements. You don't really use them when you're weightlifting. So <laughs> you need to be very confident with your, your body weight movements. We'll use Murph as an example. Generally we say, unless you've done a sub 40 Murph, you shouldn't be using a weight vest. Mm -hmm. And even if you're a sub 40, there's still different ways to make Murph more or less difficult by going less partitioned or unpartitioned or whatever. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's like, you got to be very good with those movements. Um, I think I've only done Murph with a vest once or twice and it is completely game changing. Like it's so much harder, mm -hmm. um, but it's also higher risk, right? Like all that repetition, like on my back, it really bothers me when I run with a weight vest. So you just, it's not the type of thing where you're going to throw a weight vest on and then use a green band for pull-ups, you know, like that's, yeah. that's just silly. So you really got to earn it. Yeah. So I think you need to be like highly competent for a lot of volume, good stamina in your body weight movements before you would need to put it on. Investing in your own 
is nice because then it's only your own sweat yeah. and grossness on it. We used to have communal weight vests that everyone could borrow. Ah, COVID times, we stopped doing that. Yeah. It's a little bit gross and probably won't bring those back. Yeah. It's hard to clean them properly. Yeah, you can't, between can't really classes. like throw them in the washing machine. You can give them a little Febreze, but that's about it. So yeah. uh, kind of gross. So it is nice to have your own. Um, Extreme Monkey makes a good tactical vest setup. And I think their kit includes the plates. Yeah. So Fitness Solutions in Saskatoon has them. Um, you can order them as well. For like, last I looked, they were $169.99. Yeah. I don't know if prices have gone up a little bit, but that's a good price for yeah. a weight vest that includes the plates. Yeah. You can go all the way up to the the 511 is like the premium, yeah. the premium kit. The vest alone is... Like 350 or yeah, 400 or so. A few that's the one you ask Santa for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Santa brought us weight vests <laughs> a few years ago. And then you still have to buy the plates on top mm. of it. So you either have to know someone locally that will cut the metal for you or you have to order them and then where you really get dinged is the shipping because yeah. your shipping just wait. Yeah. Um, Rogue has a bunch of different options now mm-hmm. as low as like the Condor vests that are like 60 or 70 bucks. Yeah. Again, no plates. Comfort wise, not very good though. Not great. And then Rogue made one that was more of a like entry level but still comfortable one. Mm-hmm. And then you can find some on Amazon as well. The best ones are the ones that are like thinner because when you get the big sandbag ones, they just like mm-hmm. they bounce and they stick out really far and they're just uncomfortable to wear. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is like having some sort of like comfortable fabric up on the shoulders because if it's just rubbing on your neck the whole time, mm-hmm. um, it can be pretty rough. Yeah, you want a good comfortable fit. So like Murph style, you want to be able to do a sub 40 Murph without the vest before you would add the vest on. There's, we always have been doing it on boxing day the last few years. I think it's Chad, which is a thousand step ups. Yeah. Um, you can wear a weight vest. It's actually prescribed heavier than a typical 20 yeah. and 14 pound weight vest. I think that one's 40, 45 for the guys in a yeah. pack. In a backpack. You could use your weight vest if you were training to like do a big hike. You know, if you were going to like hike the West Coast Trail or yeah. something and you were going to do a lot of just like walking the dog and throw your weight vest on, you know, you could make use of it in that sense. Yeah. Um, if you were training specifically to be able to like pack yeah. stuff around. But I think the biggest thing to remember is that like intensity is the key factor mm-hmm. in the workout. And if you throw a vest on and the intensity just drops down to zero, you're not getting any better. Like what was even the point? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes a, a fun thing to do is if somebody's lost a lot of weight, if they've lost 20 or 30 pounds, it's cool to put the vest on and be like, holy crap, I was walking around with this the whole time. Like, that's insane. Yeah, that is a... But you don't necessarily have to do Fran with it on to to understand (laughs) how far you've come. Yeah. Um, So in terms of like cost for how often you're going to use it, a weight vest was lowest on our list because they're pretty expensive. Yeah. And you're really only going to bust that thing out like a few times a year. And chances are... Like if you can just make it to the CrossFit games, they're going to give you a free one. Yeah. So, so you, you might as well just wait on a free vest. Yeah. Just got to qualify for the CrossFit games. Easy. No problem. Piece of cake. Okay. So to recap, here's our list. First thing you got to buy is a good pair of CrossFit shoes. Yeah. General CrossFit shoes. Day one. Get yourself some wrist wraps, probably a good skipping rope and some mobility tools. Yeah. Kicking around for some decorative accents in your house. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you acquire more skills, yeah. you're going to need some kind of rope climb protection You'll probably want some goat tape or some, I shouldn't say specifically goat tape, but some kind of good athletic tape. Yeah. Um, Good stick. Yeah. You'll use that a lot and it's pretty cheap. Um, Hand protection. Hand protection, some kind of grips or wraps. Experiment to find ones that you like and can tolerate (laughs) keeping on in a workout. Um, You get into some heavier weights. You're probably going to benefit from a weight belt. 
periodically treat yourself to a weight belt once yeah. in a while, weightlifting shoes as well, especially if you're going to invest more time in, in Olympic weightlifting. Um, maybe some knee sleeves, yeah. although not necessarily maybe. ever. Like I said, I've never owned a pair of knee sleeves. Um, arm sleeves protection if you're doing lots of, if you get your dips or muscle ups. Yep. And then the last treat is a, is a weight vest of your very own. Yep. Can hang it up on your treadmill that you also never use. Ours are like decorative <laughs> on our wall in our garage gym with yeah. all the cool patches on them and stuff. So yeah, we bust them out once in a while. Once in a while, but the rest of the time it's just decorative. It's good for camping. Yeah, yeah, we do actually. We take them. We take our weight vest camping. It's easy to throw in the truck, and then we can do like a run and lunge and squat, or carry it on. from the truck to the camper. And <laughs> pretend it's not there. <laughs> I've heard of a few people doing that, also <laughs> hauling it with them. Okay, so uh, that's a good like sort of Christmas list, maybe gift inspo for the CrossFitter in your life. Feel free to like forward this or make a note or, yep. you know, drop a hint to your spouse if any of these things on the list are uh, yep. things you still need to add to your kit. Thanks for watching. Thanks.